Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games on this very special edition of the show because today is, honestly, it's a huge day uh, for our brand. It is the birthday of the one and only Frank the Animal Biolois. So happy birthday, Frank. And it's uh, also the birthday of the one and only Bill Matz. See, this is how I work in talking about my own birthday without <laughs> actually saying it. Like, it's, oh, no, I'm not vain. I'm not just trying to make the show about me. It's, it's all about the I'm animal. I'm talking about my favorite player of all time. It's his birthday. Exactly. You know, we have we have his bobblehead on set. Sure But do. actually, it's a way to set up people to say, well, you two have the same birthday. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's, I'm reading the comments right away. It's petition to rename the city Philadelphia. Thank you, TF. Uh, appreciate it. Always wondered why John Street on his last day in office as mayor didn't rename Broad John. Because then it would Ooh, be John, John Street. Street. The, 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 I mean, you have the power. You're, yeah. you're clothed in immense well, power doing? for one more day. Yeah, Take for one advantage day. of it. Just do it. Take anyway, advantage of it. By my side, the one and only number one Flyers beat reporter in the city of Philadelphia, Charlie O'Connor. It's me. And I will soon, in the next, I guess, two, two hours, three hours, be on a train up to scenic Newark, New Jersey. Nothing better. It, it's a nice, it's a pretty nice arena. It is a nice arena. It's very rarely full, but it's a nice arena. It would be much nicer if they sold it out regularly. It's just very, very frustrating for us as a team uh, like that never wins anything. Imagine if we had a team that was the team of the 90s yes. and also is really freaking awesome now. And we're going to be like 78% full. And now they're really? even fun. I, yeah. you know, say what you will about the team <laughs> of the 90s. It's a good show now. Yeah, I hated them, and but they won a lot, but also they were... Very difficult to watch, even while they were winning. I'm sure if they were, if you were a fan of the team, you still enjoyed it. But like, how fun really is 22 to 18 shots on goal counter, winning two to one every night? It's really it's not the most aesthetically pleasing form of hockey. But if we were to win with John Tortorella's style, I would rub it in everyone's face. Oh yeah, face. Flyers fans would absolutely would get used to I it. I would start calling everyone stat nerds. <laughs> I would become like the old school hockey guy oh, yeah. if we were to win this way. Yeah. But we'll see how that goes. Anyway, it is in fact our very first game night yeah. uh, as as members of PHLY. It is the preseason opener tonight up in Jersey, up in Newark at the Prudential Center. Flyers at Devils, Charlie. And when I saw, I was like, all right, it's the first one. We'll see who's playing and everything. And I saw the Devils line up before I saw ours. And I thought, oh, lots of guys playing. Like So this is going to be a pretty full roster. And the Flyers follow suit. Uh, we have a bunch of, I mean... The top six is, you know, four roster locks. And then Bobby Brink out there, Lixell, who we've said has a chance to make it. It's it's a good mix of dudes uh, playing tonight up in up in Newark. Yeah, I think the, the big news, at least to start, the big story is the returns of Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson. We talked about this a little bit before the show, actually, that you kind of feel a little bit bad for Cam yeah. Atkinson because he did miss a full season with a serious injury, and it is a story that he's back, but it's just not as big of a story as Sean Couturier, who, number one, missed even more time, had two surgeries, but more importantly, is just more of a franchise institution than Cam Atkinson, is, who, like, will always be a Columbus Blue Jacket. I can't say Sean Couturier right at this very moment is the face of the franchise. He is signed to a long-term contract, no move. We know all that. Uh, probably the best player on the team at this point. We hope. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> he's the <laughs> 
yes, hopefully he's the best player on the team once he's back out there. Uh, like, f- face of the franchise, I would say, is Tortorella and Gritty. I would agree. Tortorella, and- <laughs> Tortorella is the face of the yes. franchise. Gritty is the marketing face yes. of the franchise. Uh, but Couturier, probably, he's right there just in terms, I mean, he's the Flyers right now. Yeah. It's, uh, he yeah. hasn't been on the ice in two years, basically, but that tells you exactly where the Flyers are. Exactly. You know, they've picked fifth and seventh the last two years. That's a direct reflection of best player not around. Yeah, and Couturier, I mean, he did play, what, the first two months? A couple of, of it was but, like 20 but games. He, or, he wasn't as effective. Yeah. It was pretty clear, and then obviously missed the rest of the year. But the big story, really, for this game is the return of Sean Couturier. And, you know, one thing, and I do want to read this quote, um, because it's just... We get so caught up in the, you know, the day-to-day of the Flyers. You know, is Sean Couturier healthy? What's the impact on the team? Things like that. And it makes sense. You know, I cover the team. Everybody's fans of the team. We're more thinking about what it means for wins and losses now what it means for the rebuild. But you do sometimes forget that these are people and just how hard this must have been on Sean Gattere. This is a guy who, you know, he's been in the NHL since he was 18 years old. He loves playing hockey. This is his career. This is his life. And, you know, he had a really good quote today. We talked to him after uh, the morning skate up in, or over in Voorhees, I guess. I guess it's down. Voorhees is like a little bit south, I think, of, of where we are. Say? I think. I'd have to look at the, the geography of that. I'm not sure. I think it's a little bit south. I think it's southeast. But Couturier opened up a little bit, and he said, I've been waiting for this moment for a while. All summer, I've been thinking about it, and now I'm here. I'm just excited to get the warm-ups going and that first shift out of the way and just play hockey. That's what I miss most. So I'm really happy for him. I really hope this isn't a situation where he plays two periods and then limps off the ice and we never see him again. Not just because it would stink for the Flyers, would, but because it would just really stink for we, him. Uh, we, it gets drilled into us so much as fans. We have to accept so much. This is a business. This is a, right. like We just start to look at it that way, and I think sometimes we forget these guys fucking love hockey. Yeah. They really, really love playing hockey, and it was taken away from him when yeah. he was the season was pointless by the time he wanted to get out there last year and he's like let me get out there They're like no yeah. please no <laughs> yeah please sure no and he had to accept that that's how bad he wants to play and now listen it's a preseason game he's on a line with bobby brink who he probably won't be on a line with for the entire rest of either of their careers hopefully <laughs> you never know Brink <laughs> might come listen, up at some point yeah, he could be but i don't think if everything works out the way we want to with Sean Couturier, those two are going to be teamed up. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm just, I am also happy for the guy, even though it's, listen, we're not going to believe he's ready to go until actual real game one. They right. told us last year, now he could play and he's in the preseason now. And when this is over and he looks good, we'll go, yeah, but it's preseason. But it, it, it means more than that to him. Like, this is a oh, return yeah. to normalcy in life. Like, this is the first time his life's going to be normal since two Octobers, two Novembers ago, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I I did ask him today, and he gave a really good answer, an interesting answer that I didn't really think of, but when we talked to him last week, I had asked, you know, are you dreading anything? Are you nervous about anything? And he admitted that, look, there's there's something about taking that first big hit. There's something about taking that hit, realizing, no, my back can take this, I'm okay, and just getting past, not that mental block, but just that threshold, just to know. And I asked him, you know, 
can that happen in a preseason game or will it not feel real to you unless it happens in a regular season game that actually matters? And his answer, which was an interesting one, was basically like, honestly, yeah, it might happen tonight because... In preseason, there are so many young players, so many American League guys that are just trying to make an impression on yeah. their coaches, on their organization. He's like, in a lot of ways, preseason can be more physical than it, especially the early season regular season games, not the playoffs, of course, yeah. but especially the early season regular season games because in the preseason, you have a bunch of guys who are on the roster bubble who might only get one preseason game during the entire slate, and they're looking around to, to throw, throw their body around and make an impression. So Couturier very, very well might get that first big hit tonight and might be able to get past that that fear of what if my body can't take it so what is you know a couple of shows ago i asked like game one of the regular season 22 minutes for couturier like what do we expect out of coots first game action since you know since the back surgery well so we asked ian laperriere and ian laperriere will be behind the bench it's the same thing as last year where torts doesn't no, torts. torts doesn't I, I assume he'll be up there i can't imagine he won't be watching the game from somewhere he's got something but, to do but he likes to let the the assistants you know in laperriere's case the uh, the lehigh valley head coach you know kind of take the lead in the early going and get that opportunity so laperriere will be coaching as a result we talked to laperriere and not torts today after practice and Perrier basically said, look, he's got no restrictions. Neither him nor Atkinson have any restrictions. They're going to play. They're going to go out there for the regular shifts, but don't expect Sean Gutierrez to skate 25 minutes. And he said, I've told him, number one, you know, a lot of this for you is just knocking the rust off. But also, you know, if we're up by one goal with three minutes left in the third period, like I might send out Denver Barkey because let's see what the kick can do. Sean, we know you can take the, that shift. We he know did it, it at 18 years old yeah. against Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. We've known for 10 years he can do that. Exactly. Like let's see how Tyson Forrester does trying to kill a game with a minute left and, and the net empty on the other side. Like we don't need to see you do it. So we're not going to give you all the minutes. But also, like I'm not expecting Sean Gutierrez to only get 10 minutes. I think he'll, he'll skate as usual, you know, 16, 17, 18 minutes, and hopefully everything goes smoothly and he comes out of it feeling no worse for the wear. I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Cam Mackinson. It is a shame for Cam. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the dude, he's coming back from neck surgery. We didn't know if he was ever going to play again. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but we know Sean. So, like, you've been gone. Yeah. You've been here, like, three years. We weren't allowed to go to the stadium for one of them. Yeah. Like, it's been... <laughs> and, and I think, too, we touched on this a little bit last week, that with Atkinson, while... You want to see him come back. You think to yourself, hey, maybe if he comes back, he shows he's still a player. Maybe you can trade him. Maybe you can get something to help the rebuild. He's only under contract for two more years. Everyone knows that Cam Atkinson is not going to kill the rebuild, even if he comes back and stinks or if he gets hurt again. It's a bummer. You got some dead cap space and whatnot. It hurts your flexibility. Sean Gouturier has seven more years. Yeah. Like him coming back is a big deal for the Flyers. Either he comes back and makes it clear that he wants to be a part of this or he comes back, looks good, and then maybe gets moved at some point. So... If Couturier can't play... And that Couturier at some point is down the line. Exactly. Like, it's exactly. not tomorrow. No, no, not at all. But Couturier's ability to return or inability to return from this or returns but is a shell of himself, like, this has serious implications for the Flyers' rebuild. So it's just more important than That's, Atkinson. And when, like, the best-case scenario with Cam Atkinson is, like... 
December we ship him to a contender. Yeah, exactly. Or, or more likely at the deadline, but in my in my head, it's right after it's the Christmas break. It's as break. soon as he shows it's he can play. Right away, we have but the conversation. This is this is a much yeah, better. To, to answer the question, I do see some people on, in our in our chat, which we are going to try to respond to more in in show in the future. I got to start looking up at the screen. We're, we're, more. we're getting the hang of this. You got to got to give us something, but. A lot of people are asking, is it going to be streamed? I was told at practice today that there will be something, I think, with regards to NBC Sports Philly, that they're going to be streaming something. It is going to be on radio, so if worse comes to worse, you can listen to um, to Tim Saunders and then Todd Fedorik making his debut on the radio. Yeah, so you will be able to listen to it on radio, but I was told that expect a stream of some kind. I don't have a link for you because it's not us, but yeah. I am told that there will be some sort of stream. I've, I saw something today either on NBC or Flyers website. It'll be streamed, whatever it might yep. be. I just, Charlie, there's two channels. <laughs> There's two, and I get it. Listen, Eagles game day, that is the more important, right. the pre and post game. You don't know when exactly game's going to end, begin, whatever. Okay, so that's going to be on the main NBC Sports. But the fills are off, correct? Yeah, the fills what, are off today. What leaf blower, <laughs> I, like, commercial that I just, it drives me insane that, listen, is it going to be a huge audience? Is this going to make you a, a, a pop a big rating for you? No, but it's got to be worth more than whatever paid programming that they're <laughs> running. Like someone fell asleep with the channel on, and it's just, I, it just drives me nuts. And that's why something like PHLY needs to exist. It, it really, we're, listen, we're, we don't we're stream the we're games. We're trying to fill gaps. Just we the are. coverage that has fallen by the wayside in this town drives me freaking insane. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's a, but it's, a tough, be, it's a tough economic market. In sports media and, and you know something like this something like phly we're trying to to find a new way to, to make it work and to provide the coverage that i think you know i know flyers fans want but really i think philadelphia sports fans want in general so you know hopefully we can you know fill some of those gaps that they get you know opened up when other media entities decide that it might not be worth their their time and money to do certain things and like i said it is eagles game day and guess what fam football is back in full swing with another week of epic games and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? That's right. It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season, though. It's like, oh, well, yeah, cool, new customers, but I've been on DraftKings for years. They've got your back as well because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on NFL Week 3 reaction with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5. Take home 200 instantly and bo bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in ONT. See sportsbook.draft Kings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions 
apply. Bill, that was your best disclaimer by far, as befitting your birthday. I'm. Uh, you need to take it for like five minutes. I'm out of breath. <laughs> I will. You made a little flub on the main it was read right away on yeah, the main yeah. read, but the disclaimer that was ten out of ten. That was a perfect read. So we talked about Couturier and Atkinson, and I think that's the big story of tonight's game as yeah. we move towards an actual season where okay, it's it's all about how things affect the rebuild and Couturier's return is. Front and center, maybe like what happens with Carter Hart. Like, there's other things, sure. and like the, obviously the development of the young players, the rookies, prospects. But Couturier, what he's going to be moving forward is as big of a story as anything. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a lot of guys battling for spots still. It's only been like less than a week since uh, since camp opened up. We have some dudes in the lineup, and I think maybe more importantly, some guys sitting out tonight uh, amongst the roster hopefuls who are in for game one. Tyson Forster, Elliot Desnoyers, uh, Bobby Brink, Emil Andre, Helge Granz, and Ali Lixell, who isn't in for game one. Allison Lazinski, Adderd, Jinning, and Zamula, who's coming off of a surgery. So uh, what did we get on kind of this group who isn't going to be playing. Well, and I, we'll go into maybe a little bit more depth in a later segment on Allison Lazinski in particular, um, because I think they've looked pretty good. Tortorella doesn't seem to necessarily agree. But it is interesting because Tortorella really and Danny Briere have, have both said this over the, the early weeks of the reemergence of Flyers hockey, I guess we'll say. Basically that you got to earn your preseason games. And you earn your preseason games by what you did in rookie camp, by what you've done in the early portion of training camp, by what you've done in these scrimmages, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. And... You know, somebody like Tyson Forrester, I feel like, was always going to get this game. But, you know, Bobby Brink, Emil Andre, Hel J. Granz, like, they maybe weren't necessarily guaranteed that very first preseason game. And they earned it by apparently impressing the coaching staff, the organization, in the early portion of camp. And I want to read this quote from John Tortorella. He said this on Sunday. And I think this, this speaks to this idea of we're not just going to hand you the opportunity to impress us in the big games. You got to earn it. It was. We're always talking about merit and earning things. Can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. You're going to see a couple people who that are in this roster. It's probably going to be a young roster as it usually is, you know, early in preseason. But some of those young guys that will play tomorrow have caught our have caught our eye and they may play later ones. They may take some time away from some other guys. So, you know, it's early. It's very possible that guys like Wade Allison, Tanner Lazinski will pop in on Wednesday, you know, later on in the week because there's more games coming up this week. But this is the group that has the opportunity to make an impression first. And Tyson Forrester, no surprise. Ellie Desnoyers, probably also not a surprise. But, you know, Bobby Brink. I thought he looked pretty darn good on Sunday. I thought he made some plays. Maybe he earned himself a spot in this roster because he played well in the scrimmages on Sunday. Andre, we're going to talk about later, he's been real good. So maybe he earned a spot. Helge Granz, this is a guy who they didn't know about. You know, they did not know Helge Granz going into this camp. The scouts maybe did. I'm sure Danny Briere did. He traded for him. John Tortorella wasn't familiar with him. But Helge Granz is in the lineup, and Ronnie Adderd isn't. And that might be a nod on the part of the coaching staff that, hey, Ronnie, you know, this Granz kid, he's looked better than you so far, so he's getting that first opportunity to impress us. So we're, we're talking about some of these uh, some of these young kids getting a look right now, Charlie. Uh, like Tuamala, I think we thought, had... 
maybe not an outside chance, but they were going to give him the extended look. Let's see exactly what this guy has. Sure. Uh, you know, Brink, uh, not a surprise, but like, okay, because didn't really think he had a chance to make the team out of camp. It's a, a, a very long shot chance. But uh, when I see guys like Denver Barkey, Oliver Bonk, that's exciting. It's exciting that when uh, when I hear the coach, John Tortorella, and we have all the preconceived notions about who he is, like he's going to coach to win. Doesn't really, you know, this oh for three years down the line or whatever. He's coaching <laughs> to win, yeah. you know? And you see him say some of these young kids might take some playing time away from some of the vets. Oh, that's just very heartening. Like that is incredibly <laughs> encouraging that everyone's at least on the same page with what needs to be done. We know that Tortorella last year, cause he said it like, I knew we needed to rebuild. Don't know what those people were thinking <laughs> yeah, about, right. but I knew we needed to rebuild, but it's, it's one thing to say it. Like I know a lot of things like I need to eat healthier. I don't, <laughs> but I do. I should. <laughs> yeah, I should. It's what would you know make me live longer, yeah. but yeah, I'm not going to do it. Cheesesteaks are delicious. Like, it's very nice to see him acknowledge and then go through with his, you know, belief that this is about building something. Yeah, and I think the inclusion of Denver Barkey and Oliver Bonk, it's it's not like the biggest deal in the world because look, neither yeah, of these guys are making guys a team. Are gonna play. But yeah. it it does say something because these are two guys like they're probably going to leave very soon because they're both going to go back to juniors. They might honestly be gone by Wednesday. By the next time the Flyers are on the ice because there's a full day off on Tuesday, they might be back playing for for London in the OHL, getting ready for camp. They might be gone by Wednesday. But you know what? They both earned a a a preseason game, a an official preseason game, not just a rookie camp game, but an official preseason game because quite frankly they've both looked really good and I'm excited to see how they how they do like Denver Barkey dude looks like he's 13 years old but he <laughs> has played really really well on the ice when, really you, when, when you can't see his face and realize like wait is is he still in grade school but on the ice he looks great and Oliver Bonk honestly from from the jump from from rookie camp all the way to main camp he's for, for lack of a better way to describe it, he's looked like he belongs. Does he need to bulk up a bit? Sure. But stylistically, in terms of the pace, he doesn't look out of place. And he deserves this game. He deserves a chance to show what he can do against AHLers in a preseason game, even some NHLers in a preseason game. So I now want to uh, I want to go back to the weekend, Charlie. want to take a, you know, just a little trip. turn the clock little, back. Yeah, a little trip back to, you know, we wrapped up on Friday and we were looking forward to what there was going to be to uh, talk about coming out of the weekend scrimmages. Uh, the first thing I want to get to was Saturday's second scrimmage. Okay. And John Tortorella apparently coming down from his perch upstairs. Yep. From his to, ivory tower. Yeah, like coming downstairs <laughs> to ice level in order to yell at everybody. Yep. Uh, why? Well, so I, I do think there is absolutely truth to the fact that the first scrimmage, so the first scrimmage on Saturday was very, very energetic. You had Nick Delore running around hitting everything that moved. Risto was hitting people. Like, it was an active, emotional scrimmage. I think there was a part where uh, it was like Delorier and Hathaway were battling York and Ristoline and like after a whistle. And like Delorier <laughs> is like it. throwing punches with a big smile on his face. It was, it was an, an energetic and it was a very active scrimmage. Then the second scrimmage, the first half, and they're just kind of skating around. You know, they're, they're trying some stuff, but it's it's nowhere near as emotionally charged as the first one. So Torts comes down from his perch um, above the, uh, the rink and basically reads the riot act for a good, like, five, ten minutes. Now, 
was he right that the second scrimmage was a bit lower on the energy side? Yes, he was right. You could see it. It was undeniable. However, number one, <laughs> I do think this is a little bit of towards playing some mind games here. You know, hey, nobody be comfortable. You got to be competitive. You got to give it your all. You know, we're only three days into camp, but I'm watching you guys. And if you slip, I'm going to be on you. Also, and John Turner will never admit this, but there was a season ticket holder event on Saturday. The place was packed. They were there. There were tons of fans, uh. and it might have been a way for Torts to play to the fans a little bit. You know, he's got a little showman in him. He wants the fans to, to see him, to see him being Torts and yelling at the guys. Maybe that played a he little bit of a role. He knows what the people want. Exactly. He's been he knows. this a long, long time. <laughs> sure He's has. been doing this since we were in... Christ, how old were we in 04? Oh, geez. Like, that was a long time ago. I was in ago. high school, yeah. Yeah, like... That was, were we in high Yeah, we were definitely in high school at yeah. that time. Yeah. But like, that was a while ago. Sure he's was. Been, he's been at this. Yeah. You know, he, so he knows what he buttons knows to push. He knows what the people want. He knows what the people want. Sometimes you just got to play the hits. And like, and I the, think you might have been playing the hits a little bit. If the first scrimmage was that competitive and then the everyone's there, like, oh, not quite the same. Like, okay. <laughs> he knows what he has to do. <laughs> exactly. It's like exactly. when you tap the enforcer on the shoulder, like you don't have to tell him to go fight someone. He knows, he knows why he's on the ice. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's perfect. You know what? Great. Cause again, <laughs> listen, I don't want the players punished the way I did last year. I still don't want them to be comfortable. They're going to stink. <laughs> like the team's not going to be good. So yeah. <laughs> I like it a little. Now we, we spent time earlier talking about the forwards and who's in, who's out uh, for tonight. The big name that keeps popping up, man. We, we we spent time last week talking about who we think actually has a chance to make this team. And we just look at the blue line and go, especially if they don't want to put Zamula on waivers. Right. They have seven. Yeah. And it's going to be real tough to crack that. Sounds like Andre's making a hell of a case for himself. He is. He looks really good. What I will say about Andre and... Torts, we'll get into a couple of Torts' comments in a few minutes, but the thing with Andre is that he tries things. Like, he tries to make plays. And I think, and this is nothing against Cam York, who I think has had some really good days in these scrimmages. I think he's been good. And he's he's made some, he had one, like, a really good snipe. I think it was, I think it was Saturday, but it might have been Sunday. Honestly, the days are sort of blending. But he had this one really good snipe from the, uh, the left face-off circle where we're just like, damn, yeah, he can shoot. But even counting Cam York and Travis Sanheim. I think Emil Andre immediately right now, not even an NHL yet, is the best outlet passer on defense for the Flyers at this camp. You know, he makes passes that and I think I've said it on this show, what I love about the way Andre seems to play, the way his style you know, manifests itself on the ice is that some guys, they get the puck and then they sort, they survey the ice to decide what they're going to do. Andre, he hasn't even gotten the puck and he already knows what he wants to do with the puck. So he makes plays quicker and more decisive than pretty much any other defenseman at this camp. And the result is, is that he makes some passes where, you know, you don't... I think I've said this maybe on BSH Radio, but like one of the things I love about Sean Couturier as a player is that when you're when you're watching a game, especially from up top in the press box, and you watch it enough, you get to the point where you can see what play should be made by a player yeah. with the puck before it's made. And it's it's not because I'm a smarter hockey person than the players who are in the NHL. I'm not. You have a view of you it. You just have a view of it. And you start to get used to like, okay, who are the players who make the right plays 99% of the time? Who are the players that make the right plays 60% of the time. That was one of the reasons why I hated Andrew McDonald so much because he would make the right play like 20% of the time and it would drive me nuts. Whereas somebody like Sean Couturier, 
it's not even just that he's making the right play. He's making a play that I didn't see that's even better than what I envisioned as the right play. And Andre kind of has been doing something similar where I'll be like, oh, when he gets the puck, he's going to pass it to that center who's down low. And then he'll bank a pass off the boards to the winger that's way up at the blue line that I didn't even see that he was open, but Andre saw him. And that to me is what's exciting is that, you know, he's seeing the ice so well that he's finding plays that even the like legit NHLers might not even think to try. Does he have a legit chance to be in the lineup game one? I still lean towards no, but I think it's, I would say it's a higher percentage than what I would have said it was before the start of rookie camp. I think he's caught John Tortorella's eye. Like John Tortorella last year, and this was something that was kind of a running joke within people who covered the team. When you ask John Tortorella for the first two weeks of camp about pretty much anyone, his answer would be, I don't even know who he is. Like I'm just getting used. I don't even know who that guy is. Well, Emil Andre, he, based on that standard, he should not know who Emil Andre is. Emil Andre, all last year was in Sweden. He wasn't playing in front of Tortorella. John Tortorella, when he was asked about Emil Andre, I think on the second day of camp, he went on like a two-minute long answer about all the things that's impressed him about this guy. Like, this is someone who John Tortorella, his first impression of Emil Andre is, hey, this kid's a player. And that leads me to believe that you know, John Tortorella in those rooms, you know, trying to make a case for guys of who should be up, who shouldn't be. Andre might be a guy who he's like, you know, I'm not saying he has to be on the team, but you know, maybe more so than a couple other guys who you might like more, you might think are more NHL ready. I kind of want to go to back for this Andre guy because there's something here. Game 20. Does he have a real chance to be on this roster? Could see it. Okay. You know, if, if he jumps out to a real good start in the AHL, this is all assuming he doesn't make the team. Yeah, I could see it because we're talking about a guy, and again, no guarantee he excels in the AHL if that's where he ends up. We're talking about a guy who last year was a first-pair defenseman in the SHL. The SHL is not that much worse than the AHL. It's a different style. You know, it's a bigger ice. The game is different. But in terms of quality of competition, they're pretty comparable. And if he was a first-pair defenseman in the SHL, he very well could come over here and just excel right off the jump. He looked pretty darn good in those brief games he played at the end of the year on the, uh, the amateur tryout and then in the playoffs. I didn't watch those games. I've heard he looked good. LaPerriere said after the rookie game that he looks even better than he looked then. Yeah, I think he's going to be banging this door down. Now, whether it's a camp or whether it's later or early in the season, we'll see. But he very well could position himself for an early call-up, yeah. I really, I think I pulled this out of one of your pieces from over the weekend, this Tortorella quote, just to put a bow on Andre, when he just says, I don't think he's afraid to make a mistake. He made a ton today. But I don't think he's afraid to, and that's a mindset. It's a skill. Yeah. Like, we we talked last week about that our preconceived notions of John Tortorella. Yeah, and about and Cam York. Yeah. Had, had the wrong preconceived he's, notion of Tortorella. We, yeah, and, like, we think he wants a, everyone to play a certain way, and to some extent he does, but... Also, someone needs to score. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, this team is going to try to give up as few goals as possible and then go from there. But at a certain point, you can't win 0-0. If you actually want to win games, someone has to take a chance to try to create a goal. We talked about it with the way he let Zach Wierenski play. Like, dude wasn't playing defense out there. Yeah. He's just playing hockey, whatever position he happens to be standing in at the time. Not saying that's going to be Andre, but... 
you just see Tortorella going like, I could do some things with this guy. I think that this is probably, and look, this isn't to say that John Tortorella isn't still an old school guy at heart. He is. He absolutely. Especially he, compared to like the online contingent of fans, to be younger sure. fans. To be sure. I mean, look, he still ran them like crazy in a bag at the first day camp. <laughs> He's still John Tortorella. But I think one of the big things that has changed about him going back to, you know, 2004 when he was coach of the Lightning, because he's been doing this for decades. One of the big things that's changed about him over these last 10, 15 years is that he's more forgiving of guys making mistakes. He told us last year he went on this really long explanation. It was a good explanation about how. When he first was an NHL coach, his first, you know, five, six, seven, eight years as an NHL coach, he kind of tried to basically micromanage what the players did on the ice to a pretty ridiculous degree, to the point where it almost was like he gave them like a choose your own adventure book where it's like, if, if this happens, you do this, if this happens, you do this. And it was, he tried to like lay out exactly what he wanted every player to do in every possible situation. And what he told us is that over time, he learned that number one, that doesn't work for the younger athletes, but more importantly, it also just doesn't work for the way the game is played now because the game is so much faster. It's so much more free flowing. It's so much more creative that if you try to micromanage, players to that degree you end up with a team that scores one goal a game because you just you're not giving the players the freedom to do anything that isn't exactly what you want them to do and I think over time Tortorella has it's probably been hard he's probably had to like bite his tongue on a few occasions when he wants to be real angry when a player does something that he thinks is batshit insane on the ice but (laughs) he's trained himself to be accepting of mistakes and know that yeah you know one time out of 10, that guy making that play is going to lead to a goal against, or it's going to lead to a high-quality chance. But the other times, it's going to lead to more chances for us that wouldn't have happened had I micromanaged him to death. And there's always the determination between physical and mental mistakes. Like, you can flub a pass. You can make physical mistakes because they just happen. Like, but... The thought process, I think, is what so many coaches worry about. And it's like, no, he's doing the right thing. He just messed up. Like, okay, he didn't make a mental, like a physical mistake we can live with because he's an awesome player and he's not going to screw that up a ton. But when you're just thinking wrong and it seems like Andre has that aspect down. And so he's, he's able to live with, all right, yeah, that one pass got intercepted, but four other times he made it and it led to a 2-1-1. Exactly. Exactly. I think for Torts and he, he, reiterated this a few days ago that it's not about avoiding all mistakes it's about managing risk and it's about like hey if this play has a 70% chance of success and a 30% chance of failure then make that play if this play has a 20% chance of success and 80% chance of failure maybe don't make that one but (laughs) I'm not going to get angry if you have the talent to make a play, you try to make a play, and it doesn't work out just because the execution was a little bit off. I'm not going to crush you for that as long as it was a worthwhile risk. And I think that's a big change from where he was back in 2006 when he might have benched a guy for making a play like that. You know, we're talking about managing risk here, and you know what should never be a risk? What's that, Bill? Ordering great gear on the internet. Totally you know, I'm agree. clearly a gear guy, got my jersey, got my hat, I love it. And 
it shouldn't it, it, you should get what you order exactly. you know and that's might not always be the case with everyone but it is the case with foco because they have the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms you know it's football season as you can tell with what i'm wearing but more importantly tailgating season we have baseball playoffs coming up hockey about to kick off you can get everything you need for game day right from foco whether it's overalls hoodies hats sunglasses bags they've got it all and not to mention sure team apparel that's one thing accessories toys collectibles now novelty items they have all that as well anything you need for that man cave for that she shed foco has you covered foco always has our back for philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show and for not all non-presale items use the promo code phly that's promo code phly for 10 percent off at foco they're great uh, I, I, like we don't have a sign offline for them, so I have to make one up. They're they're time. great. Yeah, they're, they're great. great. Yeah. What else can you say? <laughs> uh, you know, some guys who uh, you think have been maybe not great, but pretty good to this point that we've spent a decent amount of time talking about. And the coach might not agree. Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski. Uh, we're looking for big camps from them they kind of put themselves on the bubble last year and allison played in a decent number of games but doesn't seem to have really made much headway with the head coach who seems to be running the entire organization <laughs> uh, so that's that's going to be a little bit of a speed bump for you that's a little bit of a roadblock if the coach doesn't like it what can we take away from uh, allison and lazinski thus far yeah i've thought that they've in the scrimmages look pretty good um Allison scored a few goals. Lazinski's been involved. I think he's been active both in the offensive zone and in terms of back checking, looking strong defensively. I think they've both been solid. And one thing you got to remember too is that they've start they clearly started camp behind the proverbial eight ball because they started out on a line with uh, Jonathan Falchon, who I've I've really gotten Anthony the, Fauci. I've really gotten a kick out of this guy because I I am getting in the habit of saying his name like Falchon. Like I like <laughs> I want him like on the barricades and like Les Miserables. Yeah. Like, that's how I envision exactly. this guy. But he's like, he's a camp invite. Like, he's not a guy who has any chance of making the team. And he's the other guy on that line. So it's not like they've got a super, you know, big time skill NHL dude on their wing. And they're still making things happen. That said, every time you ask Tortorella about Allison, about Lazinski, you can just sort of see in his face, like, oh, these guys again. Like, Allison, I think he likes more. Allison spent pretty much the entire season on the Flyers roster last year. I think he, he did spend the entire season on the roster. He was just hurt a lot. But Really? I haven't heard that yeah, much about him. Yeah, I know. No, no one ever talks about Always that. Always hurt. Always hurt. You know, only said about uh, 10 times in that one press conference by John Tudorell. But Torts is more complimentary of Allison. He basically said, I think this was on Friday, he said that, look, Allison's in a dogfight, but I did like his progression last year. Lazinski, I get the sense he's just like, oh, great, I have to deal with this guy again. But I worry that his his preconceived notions I, have to deal with I, I really do again. get that sense that when we bring up Lazinski's name it's like oh, this dude really like I've already decided he's not an NHL player yeah. but I just get the sense that there might be a little bit of bias in Tortorella's mind against these guys which isn't to say that they can't overcome it but as we've seen with somebody like Morgan Frost it's not easy Sadie once you're in Tortorella's doghouse it's not easy to get out of it and I think they have those two guys have been better than Tortorella has given them credit for in these first few days of camp. And as we mentioned earlier, neither is in the lineup for this first preseason game. I assume both of them will play at some point this week, but it does show that they 
they have a lot of work to do to win over this guy because a, a few strong days of scrimmages, at least in my estimation, doesn't seem like it was enough. Someone who has also looked pretty good through the scrimmages thus far, at least according to to uh, Charlie's observations and his evaluations. It's our guy, Travis Sanheim. Yeah. He of the uh, eight-year contract. Eight-year contract. That we spent most of last show discussing. <laughs> is it... Is it just him? You know, we talked about the broken foot and how he might have just started behind last year. It's possible. And all of that. It was, he recovered. He was fine. And it's not the reason, but it kind of was that snowball effect that we've seen happen with this team so many times. One thing goes wrong, turns into eight things going wrong. Maybe that was the explanation in part for Sanheim's season thus far. Looks a lot better to your eyes. I think he had a really strong day on Sunday. I think he was great on Sunday. I think he was good the other two days in the scrimmages. I think he was great on Sunday. He had a really good goal. He was just kind of everywhere. It was the first day where they gave him, it wasn't every single one of his shifts, but they gave him a look on the right side. Um, he kind of bounced back a little bit, but on Saturday, he really didn't play the right side much. Gave him some looks on the right side, and he just looked confident. And it, one thing that I talk about, because we obviously talked about him on Friday, then I wrote a, a feature story on him for Saturday uh, because we got even more information about you know about him about the right side thing so I wanted to do a full story on him but I think a big thing for this year for him is going to be the development of that relationship with John Tortorella because it was pretty clear to me that and Sanheim said this that look it's not like we were at each other's throats last year but there was a disconnect and and we're we're working to bridge that and i think sandheim is one of those guys where like there are some guys that you ride as a coach and they respond well to it there's other guys if you ride and you kind of make them a little bit of a scapegoat internally and externally that it just hurts their confidence it might not be the best way to coach them and i think sandheim might be one of those guys like i don't think it's a coincidence that sandheim's best season was under mike yo Mike Yo, truly number one, Mike Yo, truly one of the nicest guys I've dealt with in hockey. But also, like, he is just like like a fountain of positivity. I about Mike Yo, Mike Yo, quite honestly. He's like a fountain of positivity. Like, he's all about building guys up. And I think that sort of coaching style might work better for Sanheim. And I think Tortorella, and we'll see if this holds, because he's still John Tortorella. <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't, can't change him entirely. But I got the sense on Sunday that, you know, Travis Sanheim objectively, like, it's not like he's going to lie, but Travis Sanheim objectively had a really good day on Sunday. Maybe last year, John Tortorella would have just been like, yeah, he was fine, whatever. Like, got to show me more. Got to push him. Whereas, Sanheim has the big day on Sunday. Looks good. We ask him, we ask Tortorella about Sanheim, and we get this quote. We get, I thought Sandy had a really good day today. He looks like he's in really good shape. He's gotten stronger. He's put on some weight. I'm hoping he's trying to make a statement. I really am, because that's what it looks like to me on the ice, at least the first few days here. He's trying to make a statement, like saying, I'm coming at you, and I'm going to show you. I hope he continues to have that attitude. That's what it looks like to me. And, like, that at least is showing that, like, Torts is trying. You know, he saw a guy who maybe sometimes struggles with confidence, saw him have a big day, and was like, you know what? I'm going to pump his tires a little bit. I'm going to I'm gonna give a good quote that Sanheim will surely see and surely hear about that, like, I really like what you did. Good job. Pat on the back. Maybe Sanheim's the kind of guy who benefits from that type of coaching, both internally and externally. And I was happy to see Tortorella go that route because I think a lot of times last year he went the other route, maybe thinking that, oh, well, Sanheim, he'll respond to this, and then found out that no, it actually makes things worse. 
And like, <laughs> listen, I talked on Friday about I'm stuck with him. You know, <laughs> I'm a Sandheim skeptic. There ain't nothing I can do except hope it works out right. because he's here. Eight years, no trade clause. The coach probably thinks the same goddamn thing. Probably. Like, well, you know what? I tried. We attempted to trade him. It didn't work out. Um, he's my guy. And as of this very moment, by far my best defenseman. <laughs> you know, well, least, York. Uh, at least in terms of resume. Fair. In terms like, of resume. Yes. Yeah, so when York was here last year, looked like the best. But like Travis Sanheim, 27 years old almost, a ton of games in the NHL, been under a bunch of different coaches, has played in the playoffs. He's the one. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's right now your freaking number one defenseman, uh, <laughs> at least until Cam York gets on the ice. But we will see how that all works out. He's not playing tonight. It is not game day for Travis Sandheim. It is, however, game game day for all of us. And you're looking for maybe take that train up with Charlie tonight. You need tickets to the game. Use Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You're looking to go up to Newark tonight? You can do it using Game Time. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and re redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You think there's a big contingent going on? up to Newark for you tonight, Charlie? I, I, I doubt it. If you see Charlie the on Eagles the game tonight, so <laughs> I kind of doubt it, but there Charlie might be some. On, if you see Charlie on the train, say what's up. Uh, give me a shout. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, is, uh, it is just another Mailbag Monday. I won't sing it this time, oh but God. I do want to get to uh, I do want to get to some of the questions we had, unless you have anything else you want to get to with Sanheim? No, no. I think we uh, you know, we went through it. Is I, it a surprise Sanheim's not playing tonight? No, no, because he's a veteran. I'm sure he'll get in games. I'm not surprised. What I will say though is that if you have been watching these shows, definitely check out all PHLY.com. I've been writing articles for quite a few this weekend, and my Saturday article on Travis Sanheim is there to be read. If you want to read more, got more quotes from Sanheim, more quotes from Torts, just a better idea of you know how this season may shape up for him and the importance of it. So if you haven't checked out our website, check it out because I'm producing that content. And when you're there... Sign up to be a diehard. Eh, don't be cheap. I I'm do. I do believe that. <laughs> so tonight, I'm obviously going up to uh, to Newark for the game. I think I was thinking about this on the drive to practice. I think tomorrow's a good time for the return. Not this isn't going to be an every game thing. To be clear, good time for the return of the classic ten things, ten observations oh. article that I think I'm going to put behind that diehard tier. So if you want to read all of the three thousand words on a preseason game. Tomorrow morning, That's, sign up to be a diehard. The diehard memberships are a lot more than paywall written content by Charlie O'Connor. There's so much more to it. However, 
you get your money's worth when you're a diehard member. Oh, yeah. If you subscribe to anything Charlie O'Connor does, he ain't mailing it in. No. Uh, and the diehard ones especially. The diehard. They're, they're, those, are, those are the long ones. Those Charlie's, are the real in-depth ones. Charlie's 10 observations are like longer than half of the books I've read. I truly <laughs> don't know. And this is probably just because I was younger. I do not know how I did it those first few years of The Athletic doing a 10 things that... For always, every game? Always cleared 3,000 words for every game. I was always up until like 4, 4.30 every night and then would wake up and go to practice. Like, <laughs> I don't think my body could take that anymore. I think I would just die. I think I would have a heart attack or a stroke man. or something. Uh, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> Charlie's definitely putting in the work, though, so make sure you check that out. We have to now get to the mailbag segment. Just another mailbag Monday. You just really wanted to do that, I really, you? It's why I want to do it <laughs> more than anything else. See, um, what we got to do is we got to get a clip of you singing yeah. badly and then play it. I never sing badly. No, anyone well, who, really. Anyone who heard me do hits from the bong in Adobe knows that that is not the case. <laughs> I would say I got booed off stage, but I didn't leave. So I didn't get booed off stage. I just got booed to, to be clear, so Adobe was a bar. It still is a bar. They, they, they moved. moved. But yeah. there was a very big karaoke thing that happened at this bar in South Philly and what I will say, Bill, is that while you were not great, there were significantly worse people that would try karaoke. I, I drank a pitcher of margaritas, and anyone ever had the margaritas there knows it's not margarita. It's, it's, it's I don't just know alcohol. what it is. It's just like it's just pure alcohol. Yeah, I, like some <laughs> green food dye and like well tequila. Like here's a picture of this. Go try to rap. Like, oh yeah, this is gonna go well. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, but never. We will get to some of these questions. The first one, I said this was the only one we were gonna get to, but so I gotta lead with it from my favorite Twitter follow, Dr. Evil Gritty, who I'm still not totally convinced isn't Charlie. That is always the rumor, right? <laughs> that I am actually Dr. Evil um, Gritty. What is your favorite fruit to eat slowly? So is this like, is suggestive? Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> Do you remember when he had the thing? It was like his Twitter searches and it was like Charlie O'Connor. Charlie O'Connor eating strawberry. Oh God, I, yeah, do, I, just, I forgot about that. But, yes, Jesus but that's it. Uh, I just had to read that one because I love Dr. Evil Gritty. Uh, we go to old pal. Wait, so uh, we're not answering the question? Uh, if, you have, <laughs> if you have a favorite fruit to eat slowly, feel free. Free to share. I mean, what I will say, I, I would say that I don't have a favorite fruit to eat slowly. Plum? I'm, 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 I'm a big plum guy. Okay. Big, big plum guy. Um, orange is great, but oranges are like, they're so sweet, you can't eat them all the time. And then like, you know, I'm, I'm down for like a good, you know, apple or banana in the morning, you know, just to get something before you head to practice, <laughs> cover that Flyers hockey banana team. Banana the answer to the question. <laughs> that, that would be right. the most suggestive. <laughs> from, from our pal Adam Bortz, uh, what skating drill does... Torts do with his infamous infamous rope that uh, that Cam York wants to burn. It's his number one priority. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I didn't like explicitly specify what the rope is used for. Basically, the way it works is the way... He's not chasing people no, like Mighty Ducks, right? No, that would be amazing. Two minutes for <laughs> roping, that's a new one on me. But uh, essentially what happens is Torts and the coaching staff, they bring... Because obviously, normally, the nets are behind the blue paint. They bring the nets a little bit in. I, if I remember correctly, it's kind of like around the midpoint of the offensive zone, and then they bring the other one in from the other side, and then they bring the rope out. And the rope basically is laid down on the ice 
price and it lines all the way from one net to the other. It essentially it gives them an idea of like, okay, where do the nets have to be? And then the players, like think of it almost as like the infield at like a, a racing track. And then the players have to skate in circles or like an oval around this track where the rope is showing just how far you have to skate. So that's the use of the rope, which is why these guys have to skate the same distance every year. John Tortorella has apparently had this rope since his time in Tampa. Maybe he <laughs> might not have it much longer if Cam York has anything to say about it because he wants to burn it but apparently even after John Tortorella has left has been fired from places he will say you can fire me but give me my rope I ain't, leaving. My rope. I ain't leaving without the rope he leaves everything <laughs> in the office he just walks out with the like remember when Charlie Manuel got fired it was just like his Wawa bag of yeah. belongings oh Charlie like, I just picture him Get with well like, soon Charlie with like a rope around his like that's how he that, leaves like towards. I'm taking my rope <laughs> uh, from Baked Flyers fan great name is, is there a world in which it's possible for both Bobby Brink and Tyson Forster to be on the opening night roster. I'm going to say I'd be surprised. I would say that the only world I could envision that happening is, is, an is a world where a bunch of guys get injured. Okay. Because I, I really do think there's, as we talked about on the show last week, I think there's one spot left at top nine wing. And I don't think that like, I can't imagine that Brink is pushing out like Scott Lawton or, you know, Joel Farabee. It would like, be, come on. It would be like, all right, Ryan Paling doesn't need to make this team. Scott Lawton is now our 4C, and yeah. we force someone in. I guess you could. We force someone in That's on that true. third or second line or whatever. It would take a lot, though. That's, I mean, Scott Lawton scored a lot of points last year. The coach loves him. I don't think they want him on their fourth line. I would assume not, just if someone actually banged. I'm just trying to yeah. come up with ways, it's fair. and I don't see many. Yeah. It's, I don't see that as a high-end possibility. I agree. Like Scott Lawton's going to be in the top nine, barring something else. Yeah. Uh, from John Weston, how many iterations of Defensive pairings are legitimately viable heading into the season uh, with a fair bit of the blue line still in flux. What are the most likely permeations we could see in the first half of the season? Thanks a lot. To, to answer that question, I don't have a clue what the defensive oh pairings are going to be. Like th this, this, answer, to, this is like a, a mean girls, like the limit does not exist type of answer. <laughs> like, I have no idea what the parents are. I don't even think they know what the parents are going to be. That's we tried to like freestyle it on Friday. Like, OK, well, if they're going to move Sanheim over to the right side, which they haven't even done yet. Like he's been playing some yeah. left too, so we'll see. I, it was, but, I, yeah. And if Emil Andre's actually got a chance to make this team, if Igor Zamula is going to play or be in the press box, there's like what six times eight number of pairings. Yeah. Is that forty-eight? I kind of like the idea, and maybe this is ultimately how it shakes out. They did have York mostly with Ristolainen this weekend, so if we say that's okay. a pairing, and Sanheim's going to be on the right, I don't hate the idea of putting Sanheim with Mark Stahl and and basically and basically telling Sanheim go be Brandon Montour. Let's let's tell you just go 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 score points. Let's try to fully unlock your offensive game, which is never really been fully unlocked yet and see what happens. I wouldn't hate that. That said, it's worth noting that Tortorella did say that like Mark Stahl ain't going to play every game. So that's where you start wondering, okay, like if that's the case, does Igor Zamola start out on the top four? Like, I don't know. Or maybe when he said Mark Saul might not play every game, he meant, you know, 
after game ch- games. after game twenty when we call up Emil Andre, yeah. maybe Stahl sits for three games to give Andre a look. Like maybe that's what he meant. And then maybe Stahl becomes third pair. Right. There just seems to be a ton of moving pieces. Which listen for people who have to create content and watch every game. This is actually something to look for. Of course. Like okay, we're looking at the development of Tyson Forster. We're looking to see what Sean Couturier can be. What this defense is going to turn into who's going to be where this is actually something to take note of for every game so i'm looking forward to just i don't have an answer to this question and i don't think they do either so it's something to look for which is kind of nice uh from lori at raleigh 64 uh first of all they say happy birthday thank you very much lori uh but we've all heard the uh and this is me freestyling the shane pinto rumors that it doesn't look like the flyers are going to acquire shane pinto but now we're hearing they're looking to clear some cap space. One of the ways Ottawa might do that is trading Matthew Joseph. And the question is, how would Matthew Joseph help slash hurt Flyers in uh, if GM Danny Briere can make that happen? Because uh, I listened to 32 Thoughts this morning. It's like, well, they're looking to Ottawa's looking to maybe move Matthew Joseph, right. and the price to do that, they're going to have to move a first round pick, so someone will take him. The Flyers actually like Joseph, though. They think there might be a place for him. How do you think that could help the rebuild or whatever? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'll be honest, I'm not super familiar with Matthew Joseph's game. Like, I, I've, I've, I've watched him a few times. Like, based on the numbers, it seems like he's fine. You know, maybe give him a look if you get him. But the real value here is in the future asset that helps you in the rebuild. And if you could squeeze something out of Matthew Joseph, if you make that deal wonderful but if you can get an extra first round pick and enter this upcoming draft with three first round picks instead of just two that would be amazing and that's exactly what the flyers need to do they have the cap space you know they'll, they'll have even more once they i think he's already on there but once ryan ellis is fully ltir for the rest of his career like <laughs> they'll have the space so why not use it and weaponize it and try to get some more future assets yeah that's uh it makes a ton of sense to acquire the assets. I just don't know how, how him in the lineup does anything yeah, for you. I mean, find um, a way. Give yeah. him a shot. From uh, Idiot Sandwich, who gets in the first fight of the season? I think regular season, pretty safe money on Delorier. It's his uh, yeah, job he, description. He, he fights but a lot. Let's look at tonight's lineup. If there's going to be a fight, who do we think it's going to be? Uh, do, like, do you think it's someone out of the box? Like, Well, I mean, the, like the, the Delorier wants to make the team. That would He's be cool. scrap, something like that. The chalk pick is Sealer because he fights. He's a fighter. And if, like, one of the kids. One of the kids gets, on the other get, team wants to scrap or, somebody. Or if, let's say, like, somebody some ahl tough dude decides he wants to take a run at 13 year old denver barky nick sealer's probably nick sealer's probably the guy who's going to be like no i'm going to punch you in the face don't do that okay. so like yeah that that would probably be my pick uh let's see probably time for one more here uh what do i want to go with you're a music guy i don't know if you're a radio head i guy, am a radio head guy indeed I, I that shit's too cool for me to i actually thought about this question it's an interesting yeah. question okay so, good so, so the question was what is the happiest Radiohead song what from is the, the god of hammers the what god is of the hammers. happiest radio's head song what is the saddest i have no response well to they're, this. they're all pretty sad uh, that's what the impression i get. they're a pretty sad band i would say that if if i had not to say like the impression that that's my kind of music. But yeah, you're a yeah, ska, ska guy. Yeah. I, I would say that I think Airbag is fairly happy. It's like kind of 
jumpy. It's 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 got some pace. Got like an interstellar burst. I'm back to save the universe. Like that that's that's some happy sentiment. Even if we're talking about like you know he almost gets into a car crash, but the airbag saves his life. So <laughs> you know what? There's some sadness here, but it all turned out oh okay. God. In terms of the saddest song, I don't like so many songs of theirs are sad that like it's hard to pick the saddest in terms of lyrics but to me street spirit which is the final song off the bends like that is just like so stark and depressing that like that to me is the saddest song of theirs Excellent. Well, it is uh, 2 o'clock exactly, so that means that is all the time we have for you on PHLY for today. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow. We will be back the rest of the week at 4 o'clock, so set your reminders on YouTube to catch us live. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing if you haven't already. Listen, man, search PHLY Flyers, become a subscriber, make sure you follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Happy birthday, animal.